Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, guest speaker Justin Lasseter delivers our Advent message, the gift we needed but did not deserve. Let's hear what God's Word has for us from guest speaker Justin Lasseter. Amen. Um, good morning. Uh, thank you for coming here. Um, it's an honor to be on this pulpit and give you a message from the Lord. Um, uh, my name is Justin. Uh, Dad already kind of introduced me. Uh, a couple weeks ago, like you said, um, Dad just asked me, um, did you want to talk one Sunday about Advent slash Christmas? And uh, I responded, I was like, yeah, that'd be cool. But uh, on the inside, I was really excited because, you know, that, that's something you don't really get to do a lot, you know, when the pastor asks you to deliver the word. Um, but then I started getting nervous and like all the thoughts getting in my head. I got to be biblically accurate. I got to not make it awkward, you know, so, um, but um, over time, I started to get more happy, and um, I realized that this is, like, an exciting opportunity. So, and realizing that I'm in the house of the Lord, and I'm among brothers and sisters in the faith, like, I have nothing to be scared about. This is where we come when we're scared, right? So, I want to say a little prayer before we get into this. Um, dear Lord, thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you for keeping us this year. This year has thrown us throwing a lot of stuff at us, culturally, politically, all this madness, and I thank you for just protecting us and just just keeping us in your name, Lord, and I pray that as we conclude this year that we remember why we celebrate this time and why it is so important. In your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. So uh, I'm going to go to the Bible first. Let's go to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 23. So Verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. The name of this message is The Gift We Needed, but did not deserve. The gift we needed, but did not deserve. So today, I want to bring about three questions for us to think about this Christmas. Number one, why do we need this gift? Number two, what is this gift? And three, how do we respond to this gift? So question one, why do we need this gift? Simply put, we're messed up. Humanity is full of sin, and... We are depraved, and from the very beginning, we have struggled with obeying God and avoiding sin. Paul describes this in Romans 5, saying in verse 12, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death spread to all people because all sinned. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is a type of the coming one. So Paul here is saying that Adam's sin spilled onto the rest of humanity, 
and it has strained our relationship with God. In Genesis, we see God placing Adam and Eve in the garden and being influenced by the serpent, and they disobey God. And God then punishes Adam and Eve. And he says something interesting, though, because he punishes Adam and Eve for their disobedience, but he also curses the serpent. So if we go to Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 to 15, this is what the Lord says. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. And this is where it gets interesting. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So God here is saying that he's going to create this conflict between the woman and the serpent's offspring. And that one day, someone from Eve's lineage is going to strike this serpent. He's going to defeat death. He's going to kill death. He's going to kill the curse. But he's going to die in the process of doing so. That sounds familiar, right? So we see throughout the Old Testament, God is making all these covenants with people like Abraham, Moses, David. All of them have that same, he's keeping the same promise that something big is going to happen. And we see this throughout Israel's history too. God is slowly unraveling his plan to bring humanity back to the relationship he started in the garden. Though Israel continuously failed, continuously failed to fully trust and obey God, God never abandoned his promise to them. So question two, what is the gift? So I started with, why do we need this gift? Because I wanted you to think, okay, I know why I need it now, but what is it exactly? I'm glad you asked. Because this is where we really get to see the amalgamation of everything in the Old Testament, Jesus Christ. So let's start by going to Matthew 1. So Matthew's gospel is commonly known by scholars and historians and uh, most Christians um, for being a gospel that was primarily written to a Jewish audience. This is why in his gospel you'll see a lot, and I mean a lot, of Old Testament references from the very beginning to the end. Because he's trying to tell the Jewish people, like, look, Jesus is the fulfillment of everything you've known in the scriptures. Now, in Matthew 1, that's the start of the genealogy. I'm not going to read the entire genealogy for you. I can, but I won't. Um, But all of these names here have a significant theological point to make. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, couldn't have started any better. An account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. And then you keep reading down, and you see this structure. You see this structure Matthew has. He has 14 names from Abraham to David. He has 14 names from David to the exile, and then you have 14 more names from the exile to the coming Messiah. And Matthew is structuring this to say, hey, Jesus is the fulfillment of everything we've went through as Israelites and what you've heard through the scriptures. And then we get another genealogy in Luke. And Luke's Luke's like, Matthew, I like what you're doing, but I'm going to take this up a notch for the Gentiles because they don't know who Abraham is. They're like, who's Abraham? And his genealogy goes back to Adam. And Luke tells us that Jesus' ancestry goes back to him in the garden, where God promises a figure from Adam, who will destroy the head of the serpent. So both of these gospels' beginnings are showing us that Jesus is the person that the ancient Israelites heard and wrote about, and that this gift goes back to the beginning of Israel with Abraham and the beginning of humanity with Adam. So that's it, right? What what makes this gift so special? Why Why is it a man? Why isn't just a meditation or a ritual or you know, another prophet, because this gift isn't just a man. It's God. John 1. John, I, 
reading John makes you fall in love with it, man. Like, John is a very beautiful gospel because, number one, it's the most unique of the four. Um, And from the start, John is already trying to tell you that Jesus is not just another prophet or another wise teacher, that he's the Lord God Almighty, and he has come to the world to save it. So we're going to start with uh, uh, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was what? In him was life. And that life was the light of men. So this word of God is not a thing. It's a person. And he's not only with God, but he is God. And in him, there's life. So let me get this straight. Let me see what the Bible's trying to tell me. Adam, Adam is causing death. Adam caused death and destruction. And darkness to spill on all, all over us. But Christ, the word, he has light. It's life. And that life is the light of us. It's the light of men. And this is why you see Paul in 1 Corinthians called Jesus the second Adam. Because the first Adam is from the dust of the earth and caused destruction and death. But this new Adam, he's from heaven. And he's coming to restore all creation. And then we go down a little further to John chapter 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we observed his glory. The glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So this word of God, he becomes a man. And he lives with us. The almighty, the creator of the universe and everything in it, is coming to the world. He comes in the world as a humble servant. That's not all. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. Because he's the ultimate gift we need to get back to the Father. We all know the verse. John chapter 14, verse 6 through 7. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This gift isn't just a special baby in a manger. It's God incarnate being on our level to give us eternal life in God through him. John 3.16, also a famous verse, for good reason. For God so loved the world in this way. What way, Justin? This way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, will have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned. But anyone who does not believe in him already is condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. So picture this. In his triune nature, God sends his Son as a gift for us to believe in so that we can be in union with God and not perish in our sins because the wages of sin are... So now we get to the final. get to the final question. How do we respond to this gift? So... I know now that I'm a sinner, that I'm flawed, that no matter what I do, I can, never, I can never be good enough. And I know that the gift is the Son of God, and it's Jesus. And knowing that, what do we do? We trust in him. We follow him. And we spread his word wherever we go. This Christmas, I, I really want us to bask in the true glory of Christ. Because Christmas isn't just about Jesus' birth. 
It's everything. It's his life. It's his teachings. It's his death. It's his burial. It's his resurrection. It's about all these things coming together to save us. It's about the new covenant that God has established with humanity through his precious son, Jesus Christ. I kind of want to, I want to end this with Hebrews. Hebrews is also another amazing book because it's, it's, it's written so beautifully. And this book was written to Jewish Christians who were struggling with their faith. So they were in the old covenant. They know what the old covenant is. And now they've experienced God through Jesus Christ. And now they're in the new covenant. And remember, this is when Christianity was small. So there wasn't no giant Catholic church. There wasn't no word that, It was just one body of believers at that time. And a lot of them are being persecuted for their faith. And, and the author, who's anonymous, of Hebrews, is writing this book to say, look, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. I'm going to show you everything. I want to show you everything you knew and, to, and point you back and point you to who he is, to Jesus. So the author continuously makes connections between who Jesus is and the Old Testament to reassure them of Jesus being the fulfillment of everything they've known in the scriptures. Now, um, we're going to go to Hebrews 9. So the first 10 verses, I, I don't have much time to unpack it fully, but the author writes about all those rugged relations and those requirements that the children of God were under. Because you, you had to bring an animal repeatedly to sacrifice. Yes. Yes. You had to bring an animal, priest put it on the altar, kill the animal, and its blood would simplify your remission of sin. But that wasn't enough. It was temporary. You had to continue to do it. And then, and then you couldn't even come to the, directly to the presence of God. It would kill you. He was so, he's so great that if we, if we directly come to him, we're going to die because we can't handle it. And you had to get a priest to go into the tabernacle or the temple for you to represent you before God because you weren't good enough to do it on your own. And then we had the law, which was brought down to tell us, look, you're a sinner. You rebelled against God, and this is why. And it was meant to condemn us. And we could never meet the standards of what the law had for us. But Hebrews 9 reminds us of the beauty of God's gift for us. Verse 11, like Dad says, buts denote changes. And in the Bible, that's a big deal. But Christ. If I was in a Pentecostal church, everyone would be going crazy, right? <laughs> but Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come. In the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered the most holy place once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow, sprinkling those who are defiled, sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our consciences from dead works so that we can serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance because a death has taken place for redemption from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Christ is the gift we needed who bore our sins. He's the gift we needed to reconcile us with our fellow man and to God. He's the gift we needed who sent the Holy Spirit to us as a comforter, as a helper. He's the gift we needed so we could experience true love, 
hope, and joy. Christ is the gift we needed, and Christ is the gift we need now. Let's pray. Dear Father God, I thank you for this message. I thank you that we are able to have reverence for this, for this day, for this time of year. That Christmas isn't just about the gifts. It's not about the commercial. It's not about any of that. It's about God coming down and becoming flesh to die on our behalf. And I pray that next week as we celebrate Christmas with our friends and family, that we, we are able to hold a moment of silence, whatever we need to do to get back to why it's there in the first place. That we remember that what took place in the garden, Jesus paid it all, man. We're under a new covenant now. And that new covenant, all it requires is for you to believe in him and follow him. You don't have to sacrifice an animal. You don't have to, you don't have to feel shame because you can't meet to the standards of the old covenant. You don't have to be scared about being in the presence of God because the Holy Spirit lives in us. That's what Jesus did. And that's, that's, the, that's the gift. It's Christ. It's everything. That's what makes it so special, man. And the more you read scripture, it just gets better and better, man. Because it ain't over. Right? It ain't over, right? We know how the story ends. He's coming back. And he's coming when the clouds of heaven, right? He was dead, but he's alive now. And he has the keys to death and Hades. Because he's the living one. That concludes this week's message. If you were blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Kannapolis, Charlotte, or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and also check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.